We are continuing with our series, Encounters with Jesus Christ. And today we are in John chapter 2, from verse 1 to verse 11. Encounters with Jesus Christ, one of the desires, uh, one of the goals that we have for this series is that each one of us we will allow these encounters to speak to us afresh. Most of these encounters are known to you. These are not new Bible events. They are known to you. And sometimes when we know the scriptures, we are tempted to approach them with our preconceived ideas. So my prayer is that you will approach these scriptures with an open heart and an open mind and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to help you even uh, get what God wants you to get because we believe that the word of God is alive. If it is alive, then it continues to speak to us every day as we look unto it. But if we approach it with a, a fixed mind, we will be uh, stopping ourselves from getting what God wants to give to us. Because if it's alive, <laughs> yeah, that's a good reminder. And here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word and that we are God's children, then the Bible is God's word for us. Father, I want to thank you for this moment as we look into your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit may give us insight. We pray that you may correct us and teach us and rebuke us and train us into righteousness. So that, Lord, your word may accomplish what you, you intend to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. So in John chapter, chapter 2, the, the title for this message is When the Wine Runs Out. When the Wine Runs Out. In John chapter 2 from verse 1, we are, we are told that on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And let's just take a pause there and try to, I will be making some comments as we go on. So, a wedding is, is one of the most important events in anyone's life. If you had a wedding, you probably remember it. You probably have photos. Unfortunately, my wife and I lost our, many of our photos and our video, we actually lost it. We never saw a video of our wedding, which is funny. So most of the memories we have are the ones that we experienced. But it's still an important event. But the Jewish wedding is, is, is very different from what we are used to. 
first their weddings used to have uh, to take place in the evening. And there will be a lot of eating and drinking. Wine was very special. In fact, you could be sued for not providing wine in a wedding. And then the, the bride and the groom would be escorted to their house in a torchlight parade. Instead of going to a honeymoon, they would have an open house for a week. Here is a wedding in Cana, and we are told Mary was invited, and Jesus and his disciples were there also. Probably this is a family that they know, and they have come to, to celebrate with them together. We don't know what role Mary was praying, maybe was playing, maybe she was in charge of the supplies there, we are not sure. But in, in verse 3 we are told, when the wine was gone, Jesus, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. This is a big deal. Because this is a culture of honor and shame. So if you had guests in your house and you ran out of wine, that is great shame. That is the kind of shame that you would not be able to recover from. It's, it's also shameful for the bride and the groom. How are they going to live in, in, with this shame, this kind of shame? And so this is a big deal. And, and Mary, when she realizes that there is no more wine, she comes to Jesus. Not because she expects Jesus to do a miracle, but because she expects him to do something. You see, I, I see Mary whispering to Jesus, they have no more wine. Because they want to save the situation. They want to save the family and friends from shame. And Jesus responds to her, woman, now, if you are an American and this is your son calling you woman, That would feel, uh, you, you, you may be tempted to start another conversation right there that has nothing to do with wine. But in this culture, it's actually honor. Jesus is not degrading his mother here. He calls her woman also when he is on the cross. So it's, it's, it's not, uh, he's not trying to distance himself from her. He's actually showing respect to her. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. So Jesus is telling Mary here that the absence of wine here, wine here has nothing to do with me. You, you, you don't have to involve me in this. He is saying that I, even if I'm going to do anything, 
It's not going to be because of you. You should know, just because before I proceed, that three things that are the author of the gospel, John, is not trying to communicate here. One, he's not trying to, to tell us that Jesus is endorsing or blessing this wedding. That's not what is happening here. He's also not telling us that Jesus is endorsing, endorsing alcohol here. Find another scripture to encourage yourself. This is not the one. But uh, he's also not telling us that Mary has influence on Jesus. That's not what the author is communicating here. It's, it's easier to think oh, that because Mary is, is Jesus' mother than her taking this step to tell Jesus uh, whatever Jesus is going to do is in, in response to what Mary has said. And then you will be tempted to think it's actually much better to Approach Mary so that she can approach Jesus on my behalf. The role of Mary here is very simple. John, by bringing out Mary, he is using Mary to point us to Jesus Christ. That is her role. And after after. Mary pointing us to Jesus, she disappears from the story. We don't hear about her. The only time we hear about her again is when Jesus is dying on a cross. Her role in this account is to point us to Jesus. Mary is here to teach us that when you face a problem in your life, the right person to go to is Jesus Christ. That's what she's showing us. So in any reason, if you find yourself paying more attention to Mary than to Jesus, you have missed the point, my friend. You've missed it. But I hope that uh, you won't. So Mary, after Jesus responding to her, Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Look at it this way. There is a need... Mary turns to Jesus for help. She doesn't know what Jesus is going to do. And then she tells the the servants who are there, do what he tells you. There's a lesson about prayer here. See, in most cases, we turn to God with our requests, our, our petitions, And then after submitting our petitions, our actions don't follow our faith or even what we expect God to do. 
Mary here is telling the servants, do whatever he tells you. See, she believes that Jesus may do something, but she doesn't know what it is. But she wants the, the servants to be prepared for it. Obey him. If he sends you to the market to buy more wine, be ready to do it. Because we need it. Every time you pray, your actions must follow your faith. If you believe that God is going to provide a job, you are going to submit your resumes. Your actions will follow what you believe. Do whatever he tells you. It should be our, our desire always when we come before the Lord to do whatever he tells us to do. And so after she has left, she has pointed us to Jesus. In verse 6 we are told, Nearby stood six stone water jars and the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. These jars were used for water. This is not where the wine had been kept. These jars were used for ceremonial washing, to store water for ceremonial washing. So Jesus now comes to the rescue. He is taking the stage, not because Mary asked, but because he wants to. He is on a different mission. It has nothing to do with wine. It has everything to do with who he is. He says to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some water and take it to the master of the banquet. They obey. They are doing what he has asked them to do. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine, the best wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have, have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. The message from this passage is very simple. When Jesus is in your life, the best comes last. When Jesus 
is in your life, Lois, can you hear me? When Jesus is in your life, Lois is my wife. <laughs> the best comes last. I will unfold that. You have served the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana, verse 11 of Galilee, was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. When they ran, they ran out of wine, Mary turned to Jesus. She points everyone at Jesus. This is a sign that reveals that Jesus has power to make a difference. He has power to make a difference in your life. He has power to make a difference in my life. And every time we come to him, every time we believe in him, he becomes our savior and our Lord, the best comes last. We begin to experience his forgiveness, his love, his kindness, and there is more to come. Paul understood this when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Even after experiencing the grace of God in, in ways that some of us are yet not to experience, he says, are yet to experience, he says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I has not seen, nor ear had, nor have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You haven't even experienced it yet. You may think as a Christian that you have experienced it all. Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, the best is yet to come. When he is in your life, the best comes last. And you know, in life, we, we have things and experiences that we run for. Things that bring joy to us, you know, it could be your job, your family, your spouse, your children. <laughs> These are the wines of life. Your health. Times you feel so good about yourself. It's the wine of life. But a time comes when the wine runs out. When Disneyland is, no Disneyland is no longer the place you want to go. When the things that you used to enjoy are no longer the things that you enjoy. It happens to all of us. Regardless of who you are. Or where you are coming from. A time comes when 
the wine of this life runs out. And when that happens, we can choose to be bitter at life. We can choose to, to give up. We can choose to complain and groan and be unhappy. Or we can choose to turn to Jesus. We can look at Mary and say, yeah, when the, when the wine runs out, the right thing to do is to turn to Jesus. And when we turn to him, we don't know what he's going to do. But we know that he will do something. Those of you that are married and have been married know that uh, sometimes even the, the joy of marriage runs out. Things happen in life and you find yourself not enjoying one another the way you used to. You've been in good health Something happens and everything changes. You find yourself thinking of what's going to be next. You, you go for a normal, your normal physical checkup and then the doctor finds something else. And then there is another thing and another thing. And every time you go, there is a new prescription and another prescription and another prescription. And if your joy was in your health, you find yourself losing that joy. Because every time we place or we find our joy in the temporary things of this world, it runs out. But if you are a Christian, if you have found Christ, if Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and you know that in him I have lasting joy, in him I have lasting peace, there will be moments that it will feel like the wine is running out, but you know that the best comes last. You know, the, the enemy will want you to think that you, you are running out of wine, that your, your joy is, is no longer the joy that you, you, you've been enjoying, that this Jesus is not as forgiving, as loving, as kind, as caring as he promises to be. But because you have experienced him, you know that when it seems like the wine is running out and he is there in your life, there is enough supply. Because when he is in your life, the best comes last. There is always enough supply. But there are moments it will feel like 
it will feel like the, the wine has run out. And when you know that uh, he is there, when you know that there is enough supply with him, then you know what you will do? When it seems like the wine is running out, you will turn to him and you will obey what he says. And we are told that his presence in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, I, I, I like, I don't know if you guys watch movies at all. You don't look like people who. <laughs> I, 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 I like um movies where people are fighting. I, I'm not violent, but I just like when I see movies, people fighting, boxing, martial arts. And you know what really gets my attention is when, is when I see someone being beaten and then something happens in their lives, especially in movies, they remember their children or their wives of something and dang. The same person who was dying becomes alive and things change. He kind of gets some renewed strength and renewed hope and he fights like never before and he wins the battle. That's a picture of a Christian. Because of Christ in your life, there are moments it will seem like you're losing the battle. But he says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You, know, he, he, you, you just remember that this Christ that I believe in is the same Christ that rose from the dead. He has power. And then, dang. Your hope is renewed. Your peace is renewed. Your joy is renewed. See, the enemy knows that he cannot get you. He knows that he has lost you. I'm talking to Christians here. He knows that he has lost you. So the only thing that he can do is try to distract you. Just to make sure that you're, you're not as effective as you should be. Try to, to make you so busy that you can't even find time to read your Bible, to pray, or even to fellowship with others. It's called isolation. If he can isolate you, he can distract you. He can make you ineffective. He knows that he has lost you. But he wants you to be distracted. So that you don't focus on the things that God wants you to focus. So that you don't enjoy the joy and the peace that God wants you to enjoy. See, Christians have access to all these things. The peace that we talk about here is, is not the absence of conflict. It's the the calmness inside us, the quietness inside us that assures us 
that despite everything that is going on, God is still in control. If Jesus is your savior, then this message is here to strengthen your faith. This message is here to remind you that in all things, he works for good, for your good and for his glory. If Jesus is in your life, this message is here to remind you that when it seems like the wine is running out, you still have supply. That he is still there and he will provide the best. If Jesus is in your life, this message should remind you that the best is yet to come. But if Jesus is not in your life, you are running out of wine. If you are listening to us and Jesus is not in your life, this message is here to help you realize that Jesus is concerned about you and he wants you to be saved. That he can come into your life and he will begin to make a difference. Do you know that when you become a Christian, even your vocabulary changes? Did they say your vocabulary changes? You will find yourself not using the same language you were using when Jesus was not in your life. You, you may forget here and there and use it, but every time you do, you will feel uncomfortable. Because the Holy Spirit in there will be... You know, I, I, I was talking uh, with uh, my friend and sister, Rebecca, Rebecca is, is a very tough lady. Uh, she's tough as in strong. Uh, they are they're expecting their, their baby, their daughter, and we are all expecting her, you know, a new member of the family, uh, an addition to our nursery. And so we, we are glad. <laughs> and, and she was telling me how the baby is kicking, you know, and, and it's uncomfortable. I don't know how it feels. I really don't. The only, I'm trying to imagine like when I have uh, food poison or something like that. <laughs> if that's how it feels like, I, I don't know. <laughs> but she was saying that it's, it's, it's making her uncomfortable when she was kicking. And you know, I, I think when we sin, the Holy Spirit makes us uncomfortable. He, he's grieved. He, when, when you become a Christian, you will find yourself not liking the same things. Not everything, 
But there will be things that you used to run to, and now they don't even make sense to you. Things I used to do, I do them no more. Things I used to say, I say them no more. You see, when he comes in, he shakes us. And when he shakes us, some things begin to fall out of us because he's shaping us into his own image. And that's why if you've been a Christian and you still find yourself doing the same thing, using the same vocabulary, you need to to examine yourself. You really need to. But if you're not a Christian, Jesus is giving you an opportunity to turn to him and believe in him. And you will be forgiven. And you will become a child of God. And he will begin to transform you. Jesus has a mission. He says his mission is actually recorded in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm almost done here. In Isaiah chapter 61, sorry, 61 verse 1 to 3. Says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness For the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called ox of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He has a mission in our lives. This encounter is about what Jesus can do for each one of us. For those who believe in him, they are strengthened and reminded to continue to believe in him. And for those who are yet to believe in him, they are encouraged to turn to him and believe in him. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if he is not your savior, he loves you. He's giving you an opportunity to believe in him so that you can be saved, so that you can be forgiven. This has, <laughs> this has nothing to do with baptism. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. This has, this has nothing to do with you going to church. I'm, most, I'm not asking you whether you go to church. This has nothing to do with whether you are raised up in a Christian family. It has everything to do with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It has nothing to do with good works. I'm not, I'm not asking you whether you are a good person or not. It's about a relationship. Good works, baptism, and all those other things are supposed to follow in that relationship. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, your wine is running out. As a Christians, when the wine runs out, Jesus is our refuge. When it seems like we are losing our joy, he brings a new joy. There's a time in the disciples' lives when it felt like the wine was running out. When they saw Jesus on the cross. It felt hopeless. It felt like the wine was running out of their lives. The person they had believed in, they had seen doing so many miracles, was hanging on the cross, helpless. They were afraid. They were helpless on that Friday. But the Bible says, on the third day, on the third day, that Sunday morning, when everything felt hopeless and helpless, this same Jesus came out alive. And when they saw him, their joy was renewed. They were now ready to die because of Jesus. These are the same people who are hiding. And then they are the same people that turned the world upside down. You see, you and I are not looking at Jesus who is still on the cross. We, we are looking at the Jesus that died on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he rose up. We are focusing on a resurrection, a resurrected Jesus. We have every reason to rejoice. We have every reason to, be, to celebrate, to be joyful, to be hopeful, and to share this hope with those who don't know him. I don't know what is stopping us. I don't know what makes us not so excited about sharing the gospel. I don't know. But we have every reason to do it. Every reason. You came here this morning. I'm done. You, you came here. You came here this morning. Um, I don't know how your week was. You know, I don't know how depressive, how discouraging your week was. But by coming here to worship the Lord, first you are showing that you believe about this Jesus. You, you have some hope in him. And it is always my prayer that when you come to a worship service, you will go out differently. 
that's why sometimes I stand at the door just looking at people as they come in. As I read their expressions and I can tell, oh, she's had a bad week. And then after the service, I, I go out again and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them as they come out. And I want to see, did God minister to you? Because it's like when you're driving and you are running out of gas and then you stop at a gas station and instead of getting gas, you buy a cup of coffee and you leave. You are going to run out of gas. We come here, we encourage one another and then we go out, we face the world with new strength and new joy and new hope. Father, I want to thank you for your love for us. I want to thank you for the hope that we have in you. I thank you for everyone who is here. I know that, God, you have purposed to accomplish great things, to remind us of who you are, to remind us that, Lord, we can always turn to you. We can always expect from you. We can always hear from you. And, Lord, you know us, you know the cry of our hearts. And Father, we just pray that you enable us to realize that in you, we have our joy. In you, we can find our peace. And that you can be glorified in our lives. And for those among us who don't know you, Lord, we commit them to you. We pray on their behalf that you may reach unto them and convict them enable them to come to their senses and realize that you love them and that you want to serve them, that they may believe in you. In Jesus' name, may everyone say, Amen. Amen.